Don't be ashamed if you get confused when you talk to your friends or you watch the news. They try to tell you where it all went wrong. Now you don't need to argue, just sing this song. It was rich people stacking the deck, rich people with big fat checks, rich people they're having a ball, rich people been us all. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Yeet the Rich. Bam, 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 bam. I am Emily Walsh, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, Daniel Moss. Hello. And this week, we are telling you more about some rich people that are probably the worst. Yeah, probably the worst. I, and I'm excited because this is a Danny week. Yeah. I get to, I get to just listen and enjoy. And I think he's going to be telling us about Walmart. Yes. I am going to be talking about uh, Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, and Walmart, the Walmart company itself. I'm very excited. Uh, I've had an extremely difficult time not telling uh, Emily every single story that I want to tell all of you uh, throughout the week that I've been uh, researching this sucker. Yeah, I've really been like, he's like, you'll get excited about a fun fact. I'll be like, so at this point, and I'm like, let's not. Save it. Save you got to save it. Save it up. Yeah. I was, save I was it just up. having a real hard time saving it. There's not and a lot going on in our personal lives, yeah. so we got to just. <laughs> All my friends know a lot more about Walmart than they ever wanted to know, so that's fun. And now you guys will too. Yeah. Isn't it's that your fun? It's favorite place to go get like a pool noodle or you know <laughs> halloween candy in november yeah. and also they're terrible to their employees yeah and not only that uh kind of terrible to the entire u.s economy and we'll get into it it's I'm, uh honestly i'm excited because all i know about walmart i remember even before i was really paying attention to things i remember finding out that they only kept on a lot of employees for like 39 hours a week oh yeah so that they couldn't they didn't have well to in some places care. it's like 29 Even less, so that yeah. they can call them uh you know it's the like 29 to 30 has to do with full-time part-time right and they love making it part-time we'll get into it some more later but when sam walton actually started his first store he tried to classify their store as something that he didn't have to pay his employees minimal wage so wow. like <laughs> he a, was, yeah he was trying to make them like a big rummage sale exactly like tipped into that? employees that weren't tipped i'm not really sure what he was trying to do uh he got slapped on the wrist about that but still oh, that's to call like, them like waitresses something like, i don't just... i'm not even sure but like pretty quickly it got it got uh that got put the kibosh on it but gotcha uh it is like that is the general sense of like pay for as little as possible for labor as you can in any way possible so i mean that's just the great vibe of this country and yeah, probably exactly other ones but uh okay so what what are the sources this week what are we working with well uh my first source is called the walmart effect by charles fishman written in 2006 uh it's a pretty good book actually it's it's all about how walmart affected uh just the way that we buy things you know in totality like everybody is is cheaper because walmart exists now everything across gotcha. the board kind of got lower quality and cheaper because they had to compete with walmart because walmart became such a huge part of the the market i feel like it's the reason like i remember your aunt was like making blankets and everyone was like why would i pay 
$50 for a blanket when Walmart has one for $8. Yeah, and it's like... Because it took her sure, 80 hours. <laughs> but if you want an $8 blanket, go buy an $8 blanket. I don't yeah. know. You know? So, yeah, the Walmart effect. Yep, the Walmart effect. Uh, there's another book called Still Broke, which is a little more recent, written in 2022 by Rich Wurtzman, I think. And that one is kind of... there. There was a shift more recently, you know, uh, with Walmart trying to become more acceptable company in the climate of like, you know, what America wants of its companies these days. And they did do a lot of things. They did, you know, made their stores a lot more energy efficient and have been starting to like ask their suppliers to be more, uh, you know, planet conscious and things like that. And it like, it's such a big company that it has made some positive shifts. They were one of the first, you know, first big companies to come out and support Obamacare when it was happening, Mm. which is something that people don't really think about. Everybody got super pissed at Obama because they were he was like, Hey, thanks, Walmart. And I was like, They're huge. You know, they they helped make this thing happen. But uh we'll get into why again with all of this stuff is even the changes that they made are not quite enough. You too know, it's a little too late, Walmart. Yeah, exactly. And it's because they like to they still, even now, like to act as if they're like a scrappy small company that's just doing what they can to you know make a buck. I have to say that's my least favorite quality in any rich person or big company to just be like, We're just out here like you, we're doing our best. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. We both put our pants on one leg at a time, except your pants are made of gold. Like that's right. I don't <laughs> I don't want to pretend that that's the same thing. Yeah. And that's uh, you know, that's it. And the like the series of, of lawsuits and stuff we'll get into the like class action lawsuits and other problems and some environmental problems. And then like the general shift to outside of the country manufacturing. There was a period in time when Walmart was like, we're an American made guarantee and everything sold in uh, their stores were American made. And like within five years, they were like, you know what? Never mind. That seems tough yeah. to do. So we're just going to say. And then you can you can see very clearly like the pressure that Walmart puts on its suppliers that end up leading to them shipping uh, places, shipping all of their manufacturing to places that have less regulation. And, you know, so many people these days are like, oh, man, I wish we had less regulation so that we could do more manufacturing. But it's like. All of the places that Walmart's in, like their employees, the the workers are, you know, in terrible conditions and right. like the environmental uh, impact of all of these things. We'll talk about salmon farming in Chile because it's a huge part of Walmart. And they have just the amount of salmon that they grow in Chile leads to like dead spots in the ocean because of all of the like waste that the the salmon create. It's just clouds of death that move around. Wow. Who's buying salmon from Walmart? Uh, I don't know a lot of people. I mean, the thing is about salmon is that it used to be a luxury food, right? Like it, yeah. there was not very much because it was all wild caught. It was like, you know, you'd they'd be swimming up the stream and people would be out there with their nets. And they're like, hell yeah, I caught a salmon. But when Walmart got into the market and other, you know, even Costco and things like that, the, these people are asking for more reliable salmon. And so it led to a growth in salmon farming. So they Gotcha. You know, they would grow, uh, it's Atlantic, Atlantic sea salmon and they grow them in the Pacific, which is weird, but it's because everyone is like, oh, it's easier to get salmon. So I want more salmon. They basically, by being able to provide the supply, they created the demand, which was never there. Like oh. it wasn't, 
people didn't want it as much before, but because it was there and it was only four like ninety five a pound, which it used to be like fifteen ninety five a pound, right. then uh, they people would just buy it, and you know it it just blew up, and now they're now that like a third of the industry of Chile is exporting salmon, which is crazy. Huh. And Pedro Pascal. Thank you, Chile. Thank you, Chile. Yeah. For that man. But for anyway. <laughs> Smoke um, salmon eggs Benedict and Pedro Pascal. <laughs> two of my favorite things, if I'm being <laughs> honest. All right. Yeah. So I guess let's go back to the beginning. Tell me about yeah. this Sam so, Walton man. So I um the thing is the like we all kind of think we know Walmart, right? And something that I, I realized as I was reading is that like a lot of the things we know about Walmart are true, but it's also way more complicated than we thought, you know. We know that uh, ev- the prices are super low. That's true. We know that you know they pay their employees very low and the benefits are very small. That's also pretty true. They often close down any mom and pop stores nearby, and they're mean to grandmas. You know, all grandmas. They're mean to there. grandmas. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to hear about just like you know retirees going and working at Walmart and then getting put on so many hours that they would basically like cripple these old people that were working there and oh then do like zero uh, like help for them when they were hurt. They'd just be like, Hey, thanks for your part-time work here, grandma. Go and get out of here. Wow. Yeah. That's, but at I that mean, time, your grandmas were like 40. So they were just that's true, still yeah. doing their normal job. Yeah. Dan exactly. has a very young family. Very young. But Weirdly anyway. young. Yeah. But kind of what I learned throughout going through this is that it's a lot more complicated than I thought. And like the, ramifications of the way walmart runs its business are way more widespread because because they are quote-unquote successful every other you know retailer in the business had to start acting like walmart and it's, right. it's kind of changed the entire face of things and uh, later and i think it um i want to talk about why i think that like their success is an illusion because of how much of their costs of their company costs they push off onto anyone else possible they push it off onto you know the people that are working there they push it off onto the consumers they push it off onto the government or outside countries or environmental things that they're just not paying for so like their profit margin is just you know subsidized by all of these other people that are that are doing the things that companies used to do that they're no longer doing right i mean the only way that you can charge so little for something and also have such a giant profit margin is doing some shady shit yeah for sure like you go to walmart like i don't really go to walmart we live in new york city there's not walmart's to go to and i also just before we even talked about this knew i you know i probably don't support what they're doing (laughs) but you know i am a human being i am sometimes in the suburbs and sometimes it's fun to go to a walmart it's gigantic it sells everything you're like well and we love sales you know everybody loves to get a bargain deal and so you're walking around being like oh my god 5.95 for yeah. this lamp or whatever yeah, and exactly. like but everything since i've become an adult every time i'm there i'm like how is this so right. much cheaper yeah what are they doing back there to make it this much <laughs> cheaper well and it's one of those things that like you always get told that like if it's too good to be true it probably is it probably and is, this yeah. is a huge you know instance of that because it's way too good to be true and uh it's like now it's tough because it's people still keep shopping there so it's it, it's hard mm, this is way less cut and dry than like the dupont thing because the dupont thing right. is like for 50 years they were just like poisoning us right. all of us and their workers and they were negligent and knowingly culpable but the thing about walmart is that in reality too like their profit margin is uh, like tighter than we really think about given their scale 
Okay. Because if you were to take their entire like profit margin and like divvy it up amongst all of their employees, it would be about six grand a year. So like you're not moving somebody from like middle class to you know or right. lower class to middle class with six thousand dollars a year. And I I'm sure that doesn't take into account the like over inflated amount that like their CEOs and all of this other stuff get. Yeah. But you know the thing is if <laughs> we we think of this company as hugely profitable. And it's also propped up by all these other things that's just like, I don't think that a company like that should be able to exist because it's not really profitable. It's fake profit. You know, yeah. it's it's profit built on other people's money that we're spending in different ways. So, yeah. You're, you got steam coming yeah, out of your Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. Real fired up. Real fired up. We haven't even gotten you past the first. You haven't even looked at your type yeah, page I know, yet. I'm... I know. Oof. This is, I've been steeping in Walmart. Walmart yeah, this for is going to be a two or a three parter. I feel. Yeah, well, he's been watching documentaries. Yeah. he's been looking. Oh, at that was tweets. my <laughs> that was my last source. There's a really intense, uh, but like information light uh, documentary called "The High Cost of Low Prices." I would say it's emotionally heavy. Yeah, like, very emotionally heavy. Yeah, you were sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically the entire uh, documentary is like interviewing families that had a business for like 80 years that when Walmart co- come in, they were immediately Roof, uh, put out of business that and is... just like weeping. And it would be those emotional vignettes with like very uh, intense pictures of Walmart employees and a lot of negative facts about Walmart. So yeah. there would just be sadness and then like a very bold statement that's like the CEO in 2014. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It had the vibe to me every time I walked by you watching it of like just like a 90 minute commercial where the dogs are in the kennels and you're listening to in the arms <laughs> of an angel. Yeah. yeah. Like the There's people some more vibes. and they're um, so not But great. you know, if you want to, if you want to get into it and uh, see that it's a pretty easy watch. If you want to ruin a weekend, if you want to ruin a weekend, that's check out. Let's that go, dog. go for it. Okay. Now, I'm actually officially going to get into this thing. Let's, We're going to roll. Yeah, just 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Not too bad. 15 <laughs> okay, minutes okay. in. We're doing great. Yeah. You know, it's a big topic. So. Yeah, you got to ease ease it in. Ease it on in. Okay, so who is Sam Walton? That's what we want to know. The guy who owns Walmart. That Bam. Bingo, bingo. bingo. <laughs> okay, uh, so Sam Walton, founder of Walmart and Sam's Club, which <laughs> it. I'm sad to say that it took me until learning <laughs> about Walmart to know that Sam's Club was owned by... Oh, wow. The Walmart family, yeah. Wow, Because yeah. Sam Walton, it's Sam's club. Sa- the titular Sam. Exactly. <laughs> You've been using titular a lot it's lately. It's a fantastic word. Yeah, it's great. I will not stop. I love it. So he founded his company on the concept of fanatically low prices uh, and focused on pulling as much efficiency out of his... And focused on pulling as much efficiency out of his company and companies connected to his as humanly possible. The company grew large enough that Walmart could use its size and power to compel... Other changes industry wide wherever it chose, and the inevitable and relentless pressure for low prices has created lasting impacts on the U.S. economy and our lives. Yeah, yeah, I know that sounded like I read it because I did. Yeah, that yeah. was definitely the preface. Yeah, that was a that, that was a yeah. Well, you know, preface of like three books. I mashed it. Together. It's a mashup. You know, yeah. it's a girl talk Walmart edition. Perfect. Do you think people still know what girl talk is? They must, right? Eh, you know, if our friends ever listen to this, they yeah. will at least. All right. So he's born uh, March 29th, you know, Pisces, I think. Uh, I don't think so, actually. I oh, think really? that's the next one. Oh, it's, okay. It's like end of February to like the 21st of March. So Got it. he's whatever is after Pisces. Yeah. 
who cares? You who know, cares? <laughs> it's too Pisces. So, some people care. This is a Pisces driven <laughs> podcast. That's right. We don't give a fuck if you're not a Pisces. <laughs> okay. So born March 29th, 1918, died April 5th, uh, 1992. I was going to ask if he was dead. And yeah, he is, he's super he's dead. Passed, 92 yeah. is a bit ago. Yeah, a bit ago. But super dead. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Walmart has changed fairly drastically since he's passed, and we'll get into that eventually. Maybe ten episodes from now, we'll yeah, see. This well, might this, be a mini series. Now a Walmart podcast. <laughs> okay, so we studied em- economics at the University of Missouri. Graduated in 1940 and started his first job out of college at J.C. Penney. He was there for 18 months, so not a very long stint. Was he just like stacking shelves? I think so. Yeah, I mean, he he kind of talked about that. That era of his of his time is like his uh like graduate degree in uh salesmanship because he interesting yeah because he he just went to a lot of different stores there within you know four or five years he ended up landing at a Ben Franklin which I don't know Ben Franklin still exists um I don't I don't think so I feel like I maybe went to one as a child it's like a general store yeah right? yeah. yeah yep um and that's. So, like, the discount store as we know it now, like a Walmart or even a Target or, you know, Kmart or things like that, didn't really exist until, like, the 60s, I think. Well, and I'll get to it in a second. But I mean, that makes sense because you couldn't make things in bulk as fast and, like, yeah. as cheaply. And you, we hadn't invented all the terrible chemicals that will kill you. But <laughs> exactly. A little bit cheaper, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, stores were only buying as much stock as they could have you know to keep on the shelves so they weren't right you know they weren't buying big things in bulk and then stacking them up there was a little bit more class to the to the stores and like a little bit more service you know the salesmen knew what they were talking about and what they were looking and for knew their customers probably yeah exactly like, oh, mrs johnson always comes in for her <laughs> bag of fish or whatever i don't know what i'm saying yeah everybody loves a bag of fish <laughs> i mean you <laughs> talked about salmon so much i, I know stop thinking about it you know the salmon thing is is uh crazy to me and intense because it like has created some like real huge ecological problems that like are just now because we all like locks on whatever we can get it on. Well, also salmon in general, as a person who like is constantly trying to eat healthier, but honestly doesn't have a great grasp on how that works. <laughs> in my mind, salmon is a very healthy thing. Yeah. If salmon's on a menu or if I like, if there's a good deal on salmon, I'm like, salmon is the key to health and fitness. Like, yeah. And yeah. That I think that's clearly been put in my brain exactly Some, something is put in your brain too and it's it's also like the conditions that the fish are like grown in are not good like they're pumped full of antibiotics not when they're sick just like sure. as a preventative measure so. so is that making me healthier i think so probably, probably. that's All right, what well, you get instead of healthcare. we're is. getting into salmon later i'm too i'm too excited about salmon yeah, we're yeah. just pumped poop clouds full? gotta watch out for poop clouds. oh no okay <laughs> anyways so uh Walton bought his first franchise store in 1945, which was a Ben Franklin. Uh, he purchased it for $25,000 in Newport, Arkansas. That's a lot uh, of money in 1945. Yeah. He uh, got a $20,000 loan from his father-in-law and provided $5,000 of his own money. So Every you know, person who says they started from nothing yeah. has somebody to lend them twenty grand. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So... Within five years, he made that the most uh, successful retail store and Ben Franklin in the state, which is amazing. Yeah. However, uh, he uh, did not, he neglected to add a renewal clause to his lease. So the landlord was like, hey, this is an awesome store. And he booted him and gave the store to his son because he wanted his son to do well. So his, wow. he like kicked the, it kicked uh, Sam did Walton the, out. 
did the lease the lease was just for the space not for the franchise yeah no for the space so, so the son had to buy his own ben franklin i franchise? guess yeah but yeah. either way it was a successful retail location exactly so and he uh him. he booted him and uh sam walton called it his the low point of my business career Oof. he felt real dumb about it because you know i mean i wouldn't say it's the low point of his business career but i would say it's a pretty dumb thing to do yeah yeah i mean you know at the time he was like you know 24 or something when he or 20 yeah when he set up the lease he was like 22 well that makes me feel very uh underachieving but uh, well he's learning lessons his you know father-in-law gave him twenty thousand dollars 20 grand again you know that yeah. these days is a lot more than that so that, that college was... cost him two nickels <laughs> right. together yeah so he moved to bentonville arkansas uh which will come up uh, come up more later because bentonville is uh where their like main headquarters are where the main Walmart headquarters are? Yeah, yeah. Their their home office is in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is kind of nuts because you think about, you know, the Sears Tower and stuff like that where these huge companies built these giant, you know, monuments to their success and he's just in like a compound in yeah. Bentonville, Arkansas. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Arkansas is the one state I think I could never find on a map. <laughs> I have no <laughs> godly idea where it is. Yeah. I It's near Missouri. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that helps a little bit. And Kansas, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to look at a map after this. Okay. Oh. Okay. So after they moved to, him and his wife moved to Bentonville, Arkansas, they opened up uh, the Walton Five and Dime. And finally, he actually was pretty excited to have his own store because Ben Franklin had some very specific store recommendations and requirements for how to run a Ben Franklin. Some of that he like subverted while he owned that one in uh, Newport. But uh, once he owned his own store, he got to really like innovate and try new things and work on all kinds of stuff. There's a, a story in the book about how he like was so excited about flip flops as a concept. He like brought a giant crate of flip flops back from New York City and was like, this will be the best seller in the entire year. And all of his, his wife was like, what are you talking about? And then it was. So huh, yeah. I, I really haven't thought about flip flops and Americana and like when they were introduced into our yeah. culture because obviously we probably stole them from somebody else. Yeah. And like I know that every other country calls them thongs. Yep. And yep. we call them flippy floppies. Yeah, we and do. <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like, I think I had them as a kid and I'd wear them to the beach, but I don't think I really wore them all the time and that wasn't even that long ago like right so right. i yeah, mean this no. is the 40s it's probably the 50s by then that... still that's like post world war ii like when yeah. i picture a person in the 50s they're wearing like a suit <laughs> so the idea of like People selling flip-flops, flip-flops and it, they nuts. said that like by the end of the summer everybody in town had a pair and he was selling them for like 19 cents a pound <laughs> or a pair 19 I mean, cents a pair so i buy them for three bucks at old navy so that tracks yeah wise. yeah i think so too um also he started using a thing called the self-service model which is really the what we think of as how you buy things these days it used to be apparently you would walk into a store there wouldn't be any cashiers up front there would just be counters around the store that would have specialized salespeople that were like hey if you want to know about you know hiking boots i'm here to tell you about hiking boots or cosmetics or it's kind of like you know walking through like bergdorf's and going up to the cosmetics counter but everywhere in the entire store and he shifted it to you know cashiers up front 
that and everybody walked around with baskets and picked up their own stuff. It used to be people would bring you all of the things you wanted and it was kind of slow, but again, they were knowledgeable and helpful and would like help you buy the things you wanted to buy. Yeah, I mean, knowledgeable sounds nice, but other than that, that honestly sounds like my worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, every time we're we're conditioned now that if I walk into a <laughs> store and somebody's like, can I help you? Like, Get Even out of if here. I need their help, I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm totally good. Yeah. I don't need to talk to a stranger today. <laughs> you find you. your out. own person to approach because they're too thirsty. Yeah, that person, I'm not interested. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, there's a reason why it became more widespread across the country. Uh, it's, cheaper. Country. it's cheaper. You get to kind of walk in and do your own thing. You don't have to have cashiers that with specialized knowledge. You just have to train them how to use Some the cash register. To, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's everybody else, you know. This is like one small example and it a benign example, or at least I think benign fairly benign of like him pushing his costs off to his customers because you know right now all of a sudden it's like when they started introducing you know ca- uh self-checkout self-checkout and things like that where we we're all like oh we got to bag our own stuff too and uh but this is like a thing that really became widespread self-checkout is one of those things that like honestly i do prefer because again i don't like to talk to people but I do, I think I go half and half as far as yeah. going through actual cashiers because it is nice to just like interact with a person. And I, the amount of times that something gets stuck on self checkout that I right. need assistance, and then I'm like, yeah, it's very frustrating. Well, now I'm even more mad than if I had waited in line. Like, yeah. And, the- you know, we like to employ people. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of people in this country, and it'd be nice if they had some jobs. Yeah. The thing that drives me nuts is when there's like 45 cash registers and like five cashiers. It's like, yes. what are we doing? Yes. Why did you build these? Why yeah. are we, why, why are you giving me Why are you teasing me speed? as if, yeah, it could be uh, fast. But I mean, that's another Walmart thing too, is just constantly understaffed and, you know, under like they have less hours. They're, you know, required in some time. Sometimes they were required to work overtime, but not on the clock. So this is a weird question that you might not know the answer to. Are stores, is there any kind of minimum on how many people stores have to employ? Like, if I walked into a Walmart and there were literally two people working there, is that like against any kind of regulation or I don't think so, but I haven't. Bad business. Yeah, I think it's just bad business practices, but uh, I don't don't think there's anything like that. I guess I don't know how that would work, but it just feels to me it's like. Just close if you don't right, have enough right. people. I mean, that's a, especially with automation and things like that. While I was reading about this, one article that I found was like they're testing out robots for all of their warehouses where they'll just like pick up the shelving and move it around wherever it needs to be moved. And they're like, it's great. You know, they never get sick or need right. vacation time. And you're like, no. <laughs> but they don't make, they don't, they're yeah. not aware of error because they're robots. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to. I don't know. That's yeah. terrifying to me. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. Yeah, so self-service model, it that was a big change and one that like he didn't create, like other people were doing it for sure, but he definitely like was like, Yep, this, this is the is thing. The way to do it. Yeah. He started calling all of his employees associates. He wanted to make them feel real fancy like they were part of the company, a partner. So they oh. called them all associates. So they didn't give them any kind of financial recognition as no, an associate. No, no. Later later uh actually they did walmart started a uh, profit sharing or initiative where they would get a certain percent of profits based on how well the company did it get put into it was like a four early 401k 
And it was actually a lot of people that worked there were like really did make them feel invested in the company. And yeah. it was one way, to be honest, that he like staved off, uh, you know, his stores unionizing was that they all the people that were in there really felt like they had a piece of it. And back then, when the company was first starting, those pieces, small pieces of stock that they got really became a lot of money these oh. days not so much yeah. and like in the 90s they got rid of profit sharing and just made it a 401k with match but it was like that was something i was actually kind of interested about because you know this is that's not a thing that you hear about in corporate america these days there's no, no not at you know, all they call it you know socialism and things like that so i mean i feel like matching even when like when i got into my union like almost a decade ago I remember them being like, oh, yeah, no, there's a 401k, but um, everyone has chosen not to match it anymore. Like, <laughs> right. We're done yeah. helping you. Yeah. But they, I think they still do. I'd, I'd have to check. But it, you know, initially there was, you know, and it was pretty quick after after they started, you know, Walmart in general that they did that. So it was and it really did create a sense of like community and the associates things kind of did make sense. And they would have these yearly like stockholders meetings, mm -hmm. which were just insane because it would be, they, they have invite anybody who worked in the company to show up. So it would be like thousands and thousands of people in this big warehouse and they'd have big goofy chants and things like that. And that was like in the eighties or yeah, eighties and, and like seventies, seventies and eighties really uh, was when that happened. That was also a time in America where you were like, I want to work for a company that's invested in me and I will invest yeah. back and I want to stay at that company for the 40 years I have to work. Right. And then I will take my gold watch and I will move on down the line. Yeah. And that's really what it was because like, you know, you'd get paid low wages while you were there and there was some mobility, like you could move up to different types of associates and things like that. But by the time these people retired, they like really had a huge nest egg because again, the stock was low and then it became, you know, it split and right. turned into much bigger things. He also set it up so that if his employees wanted to buy Walmart stock, that they could buy it at a discounted rate, which is a thing I didn't know you could do. But gotcha. so like early Sam Walton, I, there, there are reasons to, to not like give him all of the accolades because he, he, there's some, uh, you know, he's willing to cut any any type of type of corner if it means lower prices and sure. some of those corners are like people's people livelihood. and people livelihood and things like that but some of that that's the thing that i it's it's complicated because walmart there are some things in it that are just like uh, back when this was a small company and like just trying to right. you know make a make a name for itself like the, it is a little noble some of the things that they try to do but again it's you know at what cost by the time we get you know to what yeah. walmart is today yeah so during this time that the, you know, the Walton Five and Dime, uh, he started buying up more Ben Franklin franchises and started running them all over Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas. So he has his Walton Five and Dime yep. and then he's also buying Ben Franklin. That's right. And he's not changing those into Walton Five and Dimes. He's no, just running no. them as a... Just running them as, as franchises, okay. making money. And again, these are just, just like general stores. So it's, you know, th they have things in them. Uh, he's got a, his own little private jet. He flies around. He shows up. He likes doing this thing called like managing from the floor. So he likes to just kind of pop in like a Ugh. surprise boss and then like I chat haven't worked retail in a really long time, but that would make me sad. Yeah. But it's also really weird because most of the descriptions of, of him doing that in that time, like everybody kind of loved him because he would show up. He, he would be like, he wouldn't be critical in the room. He would be critical to his like managers and associates over right. the phone and be like, hey, why aren't your numbers this? If you don't get them to this, you're losing, you know, this amount of you know, employees or your assistants going to 
Topeka or something like that. But gotcha. But in the room, he was in the room. He was very charismatic and friendly, and he he would like go talk to the you know the stock boys and be like, "Hey, how are you doing? What are you doing here? Oh, you should try this. This would work great. You're doing great. Love you so much." Yeah. And then he would just disappear. He also (laughs) used to like go to his competitor stores and just kind of walk around and take notes and like walk up to their employees and and ask them just a huge amount of questions to be like so how much how often do you restock okay okay cool if you order on a tuesday does it come on wednesday oh, okay cool cool cool, cool. Huh. and he would um basically any good ideas he would steal them and sure. any any bad ideas he'd be like <laughs> you're i'm gonna take take over your business in five years so well yeah He's a complex character. Yeah. Some of the things I'm like, that's good business practice. Right. Talk to the people on the bottom of the totem pole, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then other things I'm like, oh, you're a real shit burger. Like, yeah, I yeah. I can't get a hold on him yet. Yeah. I did. I mean, I like, I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to go to one of these events, but they're like yearly stockholders meeting where it was just like anybody in the company could show up because they technically own stock. Seems fun as a concept, you know, and, sure. and was probably a really crazy event, but also it sounded like, you know, a kumbaya campfire about Walmart, which is weird. Yeah, they I made like, I've never worked for any company that's gotten me to buy into that kind of culture. Right. Yeah. They made their own Walmart newspaper that they sent around to be like, hey, this is how well we're doing. And it's because of you. Thanks so much. Yeah. I mean, I guess, again, I haven't worked like for a large company or in a retail sense in a while, but... It is. I mean, it's nice to be recognized. Yeah, it's definitely nice to feel like, and like, you always have to contextualize things like this with if it's happening in the seventies and eighties. Like, mm-hmm. this is before the internet. This is before like takedowns of companies. This yeah, is before yeah. Twitter accounts of like how are how are you being treated at your company? You know, like yep. it's before knowledge about what else is going on. So you're just looking at your own situation. You're mm-hmm. not looking at oh, I could maybe be here, or there, or there. So you're like, well, I'm making enough money and, you know, we have this kooky party and I yeah. guess I'll just keep showing up. And, and also, I- like, when people cut benefits for an employee, as long as they space them out over a really long period of time, uh-huh. you just get comfortable. It's kind of like in a cult where, like, at the beginning, it seems good. And yeah. then they're like, oh, now we're only going to eat rice right. and then a year later it's like oh now no one's allowed to have sex except for me the cult yeah. leader and by the time they get to like the really insane stuff you're like well i've been working here slash a part of the cult for 10 years where else would i go yep Guess and it I'll also it like because the cost of all of these things increased over time like if they just like kept it the same they could be like well we're still giving you the same benefit but because right. it raises in price it's like very easy to hide the fact that they were like becoming a less and less Valuable. beneficial to their employees' company. Yeah. So. Tricky, 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 tricky. Tricky, And the other thing is about all of the the nice things about Walmart and the like the family values and the like you're really part of the team of it all, it eventually starts to ring very hollow because, you know, there's a lot of um, lawsuits about discrimination where women were never promoted to, you know, Ugh, manager positions. Comes back and to the patriarchy. Yeah, for sure. And it, it like they're they're like union busting uh, of it all. He like has a teams that would go around to different. If there was like if anything smacked of like unionization, he would send teams to show up, find the people that were probably uh, doing that, doing that and like move it, move them somewhere else, or or fire them, them or, or, or split them up, or do uh, you know put up anti-union posters in the bathroom and stuff like that. They had like security cameras in the in the parking lots a lot earlier than like any other place but it was (laughs) 
It was not for uh, like safety. Or safety. Yeah, it was because uh, they wanted to like see if any employees were gathering after after, after work. work. Uh, wow. And it was kind of crazy because they. Oof, this is another lawsuit that we'll get into, but like, there's a lot of crime that happens in a Walmart parking lot, and they had the security to notice it and the security force, but there are zero roving patrols out there because, again, the whole thing, the whole system was set up for the idea of like sniffing out union stuff. Yeah, they don't care if people are. Yeah, so people were just getting robbed or assaulted or, robbed. or like yeah. kidnapped and in, in their oh, parking shit. lots. Yeah, it was, it was bad, and they were just like you have these cameras they're there what are you doing with them yeah and they did a they did like a test where they put like one roving patrol man in a parking lot in one walmart and it decreased that by like 90 percent in that area so it's just like and they were like we just don't want to pay to have that guy driving around one kidnapping a year i mean how bad (laughs) could it be exactly because they they loved hiding under the umbrella of like well, other retailers are like, we're doing retail standard stuff, you know, like we are, you know, our wages are about the same as other retailers are like all of these things. And when they became such a big company, you know, the people of America wanted to treat them more like a massive company because that's what they are, you know, more like a GM or, a you know, ExxonMobil or things like that, where they have to have a certain higher bar because they just have the money. But they just kept being like, oh, we're just a simple retailer, you know? It's, yeah. Oh, that's a whole thing. Back to back to our history lesson. And yeah. Because, <laughs> again, I, I keep getting uh, sidetracked. So fired up. So many, so many things. So, in 1962, he opened the very first of what we know of as Walmart today. It was called Walmart Discount City. Uh, because, as I said, all of the Ben Franklins and, and the even the Five and Dimes, they were more of just a general store and the idea of these big box buy in bulks you right. know stack the materials high sell them cheap was very new so in 1962 he opened the first walmart discount city kmart opened its first store and target opens its first store wow all in the same year target was it called target it was called like target discount town or something huh. yeah target only came into my life like a decade ago so i yeah. just assume it wasn't around but that is naive yeah Oh, so uh, this is something I wanted to talk about earlier, but Walmart now is one of the most massive corporations in the world. Uh, they employ over 2.3 million people, wow. 1.7 million US. In comparison, Amazon, you know, worldwide has 1.3 million. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Target has 400,000 pe- employees worldwide and Costco has 236,000. So 2.3 million to 1.3 Wow. 400,000. Well, Costco has less 000. employees because they treat them better. Yeah. So yeah. we stand Costco. If somebody is going to tell me Costco is bad, I will listen, but I will be depressed. <laughs> yeah. Pretty depressed about it. They have 10,500 stores worldwide, um, which is, you know, a whole heap of stores. So, yeah. So just in comparison to the size, and again, they were, they, you know, Target opened at the same time. And now uh, Walmart employs 2.3 million, and they employ 400,000. So it's it's like the trajectory Hugely of growth is, yeah. is very different. So the new rules for uh, Walmart Discount City is find out what your competitors are selling for how much, sell it for slightly less. Keep the cost internally down to a bare minimum. Seek out vendors that will give you the, the product for as low as possible to keep your external costs low. 
no frills sales, so just shelves and product and customers. No displays, no, no, no artistry, yeah. no decorations. You know, they eventually have some of that, but but compared to you know the mannequins of of yesteryear and things like that, it it is just not. It's a completely different store. It's it's just a big warehouse, and you can tell you walk in and it's yeah. you know harsh lighting and stuff to buy. So always be in stock. Don't ever let your customers walk away without the thing they came in for. So. They always right. want to have stu- the things on the shelves. Um, they end up creating an, uh, a really intense database to, to kind of understand trends store to store every so that they can keep as little stock in as they need to always be in stock. Never more, never less. If it's, if it's too little, people walk away. If it's too much, you're wasting money on your storage because y- right. you're holding things that aren't moving. So. That might be out of style or out of fashion yeah. the next year or whatever. And it's like to the to the point of like there was there's this thread company we'll talk about, embroidery thread company that we'll talk about later that like they were taking up too much space. So they were just like, you sell 400 colors. These five colors are not selling. We're getting rid of them. Well, These four aren't selling. We're getting rid of them. So they like have an incredible amount of data that they keep completely to themselves. <laughs> of course. That, yeah. I've learned in the past couple of years that data is like the most valuable thing in the universe. Yeah. And people love it when we give it away for free, but also... Oof. Well, now they just take it from you. Yeah, exactly. Because you want to download an app or whatever. Yeah, or you want to know whether your grandma was half... Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Know. Still never done that. But our dog's DNA, we're going to Yeah, that's very exciting. <laughs> I wonder what they're going to use his data for. We'll oh, see. Oh, boy. So, uh, focus on small communities that the other box stores uh, ignore. So, like most of these other discount stores went to big city centers because they were like, people come into the cities to buy things. So, we're going to set up here. People are going to be like, oh, this is so convenient and helpful. Which is so interesting because now it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Well, and that's that's what you know Sam Walton specifically, he was like, I think there's money to be had if we go and set up a single store in small communities because we'll be basically on you know no competition because nobody else wants to waste the money setting up these stores so he set up all of these stores around rural communities and people didn't have to drive to the big city so they didn't so and you can go to one place like beyond whatever it's doing to the market and hurting mom and pop shops etc etc it is nice to be like you know what i need groceries i need sneakers i need a board game yep. And I need to get my dog food. And you can I get can it do all that there, yeah. All in one place. Like it's so frustrating that the conveniences of the modern world are hurting so many things that we value in the economy because right. you're like, you know what? Amazon Prime is pretty great. It's pretty Walmart great. It's yeah. pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to support these companies, but sometimes you have to. Yeah. I mean, that's again, that's the crux of Walmart and why it's like, okay, yeah. So you can you can pretty empirically say that it is harmful to society for under a number of metrics, but right. Also, people still shop there. You know, it's like... And also, you can't shame the people that need to shop there. Right. It's not... The person who's like, I can only afford to buy my groceries at Walmart. I can only afford to get my clothes at Walmart. That is not their fault. Right. And it might be Walmart's fault. It might be. But they have to support who they can... They have to buy the stuff they can afford. And that's... that's, At the end of the day, we can't get mad at them about it. So, it's just like... Yeah. What do we do here? Yeah. And really, the only thing you can do is be like, hey, Walmart... You're a huge company now. Could you change your practices so that we can all heal to some extent? And, yeah. You know, in some ways, it they were like, yeah, I guess. And in some ways, they were like, absolutely not. Basically, though, they've made a lot of like eco-friendly changes, but any I like any concept of paying their employees more or better 
has been very hard fought. You know, yeah. there have been ra- wage increases throughout the years, and and we can we'll talk about that later. But um, it's been very hard fought. They love the idea of paying their employees just as little as little they can get away with. Possible. Yeah. And the last rule is always be innovating, try new things. If it saves money, keep it. If it doesn't, move on to the next thing. Um, you know, they throughout the years they like have kind of changed industry standards on a lot of different ways that retail happens. Once they uh, have kind of solved a certain sector of retail, they just move on to the next one. Like I, I didn't realize this, but Walmart just started selling groceries in 1990. Oh, like they didn't sell groceries before then their very first like superstore was in 1990. And today they constitute 20% of America's grocery shopping like all of it and that just happened in less than 25 years um i don't shop at walmart but there are enough people out there to offset my not shopping at walmart of course yeah um okay so there's have been some some of these innovations there have been some that i would i would classify more as positive than negative so the the deodorant story um back in the early 90s uh before then deodorant used to come it was basically the same stick of deodorant but it would come in a cardboard package right and you pick it up from the shelf cardboard package you take that cardboard package off you throw it away walmart decided that that was stupid the plastic packaging that was inside was plenty oh it was a box around it was a box around when you started talking i was like and then you said a loose stick that you touched with your no 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 No, it was basically the same from what i understand at least it was the same deodorant that we use now but it was just in a cardboard marketing box you know and walmart basically said to its vendors that sold deodorant we don't want this cardboard box anymore completely change your you know your shipping methods just put the plastic in the in the like the boxes the the bigger boxes the bulk right. boxes that we need and they did and within like a couple of years no deodorant company had a box had a box you know it just it just changed it so it saves you know it's a couple of cents per deodorant stick uh but those savings got passed down to passed down to the consumers and like if you count how like if you take all of the deodorant that's bought we're saving, you know, millions of dollars a year and as a trees. as a collective and trees. Yeah, exactly. That you the amount of, you know, cardboard saved is is trees saved. So like that is a change that that because they're just a big enough buyer of deodorant, they, they could just change. You know, they just yeah. were like, No, we're done doing this. And they the the vendors basically d- decide whether they want to keep selling at Walmart and they're like, if we do, let's get rid of this box. The amount of like retooling that suppliers have had to do just on a Walmart whim is crazy. Uh, this one's a little in the weeds, but it's it's interesting. So standard retail and really in a lot of a lot of places still these days, uh, you have like big sales uh, and then it goes back to its regular p- price and you have sales. So it it's called high low pricing and it's a standard marketing tactic where you want people to come in and buy this product so you put it on sale and then you make your money on the people that are buying it when it's not on sale right, right? you get addicted to it or that yeah becomes you're your like brand. oh i love coke and you're like i'm fine buying it for five dollars even though you know next coke. tuesday i can buy it for two dollars and that worked nice for a long time but it leads to a lot of like it's hard to kind of calculate what those uh stocking needs are going to be so well also if you're a consumer at walmart and you know that it's going to be on sale again and you have the space 
why not buy two things of deodorant, five things of deodorant yep. when it's on sale, and then you don't need to buy deodorant for three years. Or exactly. Whatever. And that's that's kind of what happened is that people got wise to all of this and just game the system. They were just like, oh, I know it goes on sale every month. Every month, I'm just going to buy what I need for the month. Yeah. And so they weren't uh, they weren't making as much money on that product as they wanted to, and the sales weren't leading to to profit. So what Walmart did was said, "Hey, we're we're not doing that anymore. What we're going to do is take an average of how much money you make on this product throughout the entire year, and use that as the rate the entire year. So everyday low prices for them means that like they find a price that's lower than what you'd normally spend. It's higher than the sale price, but it's consistent year round." Right. So it leads to like consistency in stocking. So you don't get those problems where like you've run out of whatever's on sale and so you're not making money. And it like it it's it's more subtle, but it does lead to more efficiencies because it you know, you don't have that erratic like right. you know, you don't have you to have Bobby schlep better. another forty five boxes that you didn't expect to sell right. of Coca Cola up from the back or something. So yeah. So you, you can plan better and it just you know makes sales a little easier so that happened uh they also every basically they set that price because they take an average of what you sold the year before and then every year they'll reevaluate that price and lower by five percent ten percent so all these rollback prices are a yearly thing that happens when they're like we got you a better deal for this 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 and this right and that's part of the mechanism that allows them to like constantly push down the the value or like the cost of items is that they can they're buying in huge bulk. They're buying conceptually right. as like, you know, a year's worth of thing at this price. So it like makes it hard to hard to say no to that when when it's when you're just talking about like, you know, five cents off of a glue stick. It's like I could do five cents off of a glue stick, but eventually like that five cents isn't there to be had in the way you do your business. One of the other innovations that uh, Walmart started doing was what they called like the pallet to store sales method. Where instead of, you know, palletizing a bunch of items and then taking them off the pallet, putting them on the shelves. So by palletizing, just for people oh, who yeah, might sorry. not know what a pallet is, <laughs> the pallet is just the thing that all the goods come in on. So wherever they came from, they put it on the pallet, which is this that wooden square at the bottom that a forklift can pick up. And then depending on what it is, they box it up or saran wrap it or whatever. So that is palletizing. Is that yeah, that's, good? Yeah, it's great. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, you know, they for- it's the thing that allows them to move bulk items ar- around and stick them in a big truck with a forklift as efficiently as, as opposed possible. to a yeah. bunch of people. So good, uh, good catch up there. Or, you know, sometimes good, good I feel like we use words that I don't yeah. know if everyone I use knows what palletizes. Pallets every day. So yeah. Know. So what they did though was basically start having their vendors just make the thing ready to sell from the pallet. Okay. So you know that like big stack of balls that is in a weird cage. It's weird that's that I was up, thinking the same you know? thing when you walk into Walmart and they're like, "I do want to spend two dollars on a giant bouncy ball." Yeah. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so like it's it's just they just cut the the stretch wrap off of it and it's ready to sell. So a lot of those little like cardboard you know displays that have your some school supplies on it, you just take. Rip you just off the front take or the, the top or take the top off and it's ready to sell all the way up to like their marketing and display and and all of this stuff that the the vendor who's selling it wants to have 
they just need to design it as if you know so that they can just right. you know roll that palette right into place do you know who mr beast is yeah <laughs> so mr beast is this guy on tiktok who does a lot of things and then he gives away a lot of money and some people hate him because apparently he gives away his money wrong but he <laughs> he's been selling chocolate bars and i will say normally i'm on the side of mr beast but he's been selling these chocolate bars in walmart and he tweeted the other day a picture of the display that was all sloppy uh-huh. and he was like hey you know if you have a minute and you're in walmart could you clean up the display? <laughs> and like people are doing it, but other people are like, make the display better. Right. Because when you open the box, it looks like it just spills out a bunch of chocolate bars. And it's like, it's really not the consumer's problem. Like, right. And that's one of those things where like, even when you like somebody, like I think overall, Mr. Beast is a pretty good guy. Like he, he just made this video where he gave like 50,000 kids their first pair of shoes in South Africa. Wow. And people got mad at him because he monetized the views of that on YouTube. And it's Uh like, how do you think he bought the shoes? Right, yeah. And if that is what it works, it's probably a little cringy, but like, all those people got shoes. They still got shoes. There's still some good stuff that happens there. Yeah, he's, you know, like, if that's how they get their shoes, if the only alternative is them not having the shoes, then fucking whatever. Like, (laughs) let Mr. Beast be Mr. Beast. Yeah. But I will say, I saw that tweet and I was like, come on, man. Like, you need to do that work. That's not, that's 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 on you or on the people that you hire to make this or, yeah, chocolate exactly. thing happen. Hire, like, hire a street team of like, people that drive around to Walmarts and clean up your <laughs> chocolate displays. Yeah. Start a video that's like, hey, uh, my ad sales uh, designers, could you maybe lock it up? Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. a little like, but yeah. there you go. Yeah. He needs to palletize better. That's right. He needs to palletize better. We'll see how uh, Mr. Beats turns out. Maybe we have to eat the beast at I some mean, point. Maybe but in a couple years he'll be have his own episode. But right now, we're right now, pretty okay. Pretty with okay this, with him. With yeah. Because he does give away a lot of money to people that could use a lot of money. So that's yeah, nice. Yeah, he just bought a box of Girl Scout cookies for 10 grand. Oh, like, good for okay. you. And then his buddy was like, can we get these two? And he's like, no, I said we were buying one box. <laughs> that's funny. So that was uh, that was a, a fairly big innovation, and like at the time, people were like, "How lazy can you be, just putting pallets in the middle of the stores?" But it is like, in terms of labor savings, it's huge because you know it's a lot of moving things. You don't have to move things twice; you just roll it into place, you cut it off, Drop and you're it. good to go. We've also become very used to that as a consumer. Yeah, for I sure. I feel like ten years ago, twenty years ago, you might be like. Well, this store is a little low class or whatever. And <laughs> right. now you're like, I'm fine with it. I'll yeah. take it off the forklift. Myself. Yeah. I mean, you kind of know what you're getting into when you go to Walmart. It's just no frills. You, yeah. you go in, you're you're there for the cheap deals and you, you get your stuff and you go home. Yeah. That's kind of the deal. Another thing that they did in, so in the, in the later 90s after Sam uh, passes and, you know, us as consumers want companies to be more eco-friendly. They did do a lot of initiatives within their stores. Uh, one of them that I actually think is is super smart is they introduced skylights into a model store in 1993 and paired it with dimmable lights that when the sun was out, they, they uh, dimmed the lights oh, to sure. how much they needed. And when the sun was gone, they turned the lights back up. So they saved a lot of energy. And they also like the amount of sales went up because apparently uh, walking through a store with natural light is nicer than not walking through a store with natural light. That Who tracks. knew? That tracks. Yeah, they learned that in 1993. So that was, you know, that saves money, makes a better experience, uh, overall good, and it's, you know, eco-friendly because they're not wasting quite so much on it, on energy. So in the 1970s, Walmart goes public for the first time. So it is selling stock to people in the world. 
And in 71, that's when they create that, the employee, the profit, yeah, the profit sharing, buying their own stock. Uh, Something to note about the time in the 70s, in that period, there was a thing called stagflation, which is uh, stagflation, stagflation, as in like stagnant inflation. Yeah. So it was a combination of inflation and like unemployment, job recession. So uh, it used to be before that it was pretty directly correlated. So if inflation went up, then unemployment went down. If unemployment went uh, up, then inflation went down because, you know, you, I don't know. There was a, it, it worked in, inversely. But then uh, in the 70s, they had it at the same time. So, and they're, they're not 100. Somebody is probably knows why that happened. There's an I'm not, out I'm not one knows. of those people. Yeah. But basically, what it meant for the retail business is that all of these other stores that kind of started at the same time, it, they really floundered in this, in this decade. Uh, but Walmart soared. You know, they, they grew four to five times at the rate of JCPenney, Kmart, and Target. By the end of the 70s, uh, they had 21,000 employees compared to, you know, when they started, they only had, you know, maybe a thousand, uh, probably less than that. But so that was, they called it their like golden, golden miracle era, year, yeah. era, decade is, is when they really like came into prominence in a way that before they were just kind of a novelty of the Midwest. Or maybe not Midwest. I got to get better at geography. So the profit sharing was super cool, 1971. And 1971, uh, the profit sharing was super cool. And in 1983, the first Sam's Club was open. So even bigger discounts, even less frills, you know, big old giant pallets of things. And yeah, that's really the only difference, right? Is it's yeah. even more warehousey. Yeah. And, and it's like... a member. Well, and I think probably part of the deal is, like I said before, with Walmart, Every single Walmart you go into, you know what you're going to be like, I can find this one thing. I know right. it's going to be there and it's always in stock. But with Sam's Club, you know, they basically stock in bulk the things that they can get for as cheap as Even possible. Cheaper, yeah. So it's like less reliability of the stuff that's in there the and the, the brands, but the discount is way higher. So, okay. So in 1988, Walton passes leadership on to David Glass uh, and retires. He's been, you know, fighting leukemia for a couple of years at that point and uh, decides to pass it, pass on the leadership. Does he have kids at this point? He does have kids at this point. Okay. Yeah. But later we get a Walton back in, in leadership. But at this point, it's a guy named David Glass. Later, it becomes a guy named Lee Scott takes over in 2000. Under David Glass, they open their first Walmart Supercenter with groceries in 1990, like I was talking about before, and became the biggest retailer in the United States. And then 1992, Walton passes at age 74 succumbing to his long fight with leukemia so after that it's you know walmart after that it's already this giant company uh in 2000 it became the wealthiest company in the world so and from there they've had to make a lot of choices because of their prominence they're asked a lot more than than they used to be as a smaller company and again in some ways they're asked by yeah so they're asked by the american people to do more things gotcha. is what i meant so it's you know they become more uh have to become more a more risca- more accountable more accountable company than they used to be uh so in 1988 uh walton retires he passes on leadership of the company to david glass who Later in 1990 opens their very first Walmart Supercenter, which is, uh, as I said before, the first Walmart to sell groceries. So he didn't even live to see the Superstore. Uh, well, he was... Or he, he wasn't in charge. He wasn't in charge when the Superstore happened. Gotcha. Uh, but, um, you know, again, that became such a huge part of, you know, their industry and 
the United States as a whole buys so many groceries from Walmart now that it's it's kind of nuts. Um, and then he ended up passing away at age 74 in 1992 uh, after a long fight with leukemia. He didn't live to see the company become the wealthiest company in the world in 2000, which is kind of nuts. But he was the largest retailer in the United States by the time he died, which wow. is kind of nuts too. So that's uh, Sam Walton's life. It's pretty intense. Uh, he did a lot of cool things, did a lot of not so cool things. And then after he passes, his company kind of becomes a big beast that we'll, we can kind of talk about later is the its ups and downs and the accountability that it had for the American people later. Think about Walmart, I think, and the thing that I was thinking about throughout this entire process is that it really fits a lot of like American ideals that we think about, you know, that right. we're all kind of taught as kids. It's like survival of the fittest, you know, they're a huge, massive company. They're, they're strong. Be as efficient as possible. You know, it, you know, if you're lazy or if you're, you're bad at your job, then like that's not good. You want to be efficient and tight and clean. Save as much money as possible. You know, a penny saved, a penny earned. This is all, these are all like positive things that are in the American, you know, belief system. Sure. That Walmart really embodies. But I really think that the idea of Walmart's success is a bit of an illusion because they've gotten so good at transferring all of their costs onto everyone else, the workers, the consumers, other countries, the planet. And I'm really looking forward into getting into how uh, they do that in the next episode. Yeah, this was a lot, yeah, lot already, of data already. Yeah, this is uh, it's it, uh, it turns out if you read two, you know, two books and watch like three documentaries, there's a lot more, a lot more information there than I thought there was going to be. But. Yeah, yeah, but you know, again, it's just this one of these things that like, is it about the man or is it about the company? Because he seems like he wasn't the worst. He was right. just kind of like a businessman doing businessman things yeah which like i don't think i really agree with any businessman i'm impressed <laughs> i guess with what they're doing yeah but i don't know that we're gonna i don't know a single owner of a big company so right right i don't know i mean it is it's just one of those things and i think walmart is a tough tough topic because you're not it is something that people need it is mm -hmm. low prices or something that people need and there's a thousand reasons why mom and pop stores can't provide those prices anymore but right. it's it's just gotten so far. I think there's yeah. so many things in our economy and in our country that you're like, this should have been fixed or looked at or regulated or thought about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years right. ago. And now that we're here, like getting rid of Walmart isn't the answer because yeah. where are people going to get their flip flops? Like, right. just like right. I don't know what the solution is, but I guess next week we'll hear about all this other crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. I about think salmon probably, <laughs> probably about salmon. I'm a, I love talking about salmon, but I also think that like the next episode is really going to kind of reveal why though, you know, Sam Walton feels like a pretty noble character it is problematic in his own right. And yeah. his company, the thing that he created, the, the, the roots of it are problematic and, you know, it is, uh, it's huge. It's a big old monster. The you Walmart. just said that and it reminded me of this company that I used to work for called Black Walnut. And the reason they chose that name for their store is that the Black Walnut tree, the roots decimate any tree nearby. And they were like, <laughs> we're going to decimate our competition. Yeah, sure. And I could do a whole episode on just them because they were not great to work for. No. But that is kind of like Walmart is the Black Walnut of the tree family. Yeah. Like, 
they're strong. They're not going anywhere. And yeah. they killed a lot of other trees. Killed a lot there. of other trees. And then the trees that are left have to look a little like their tree. Yeah. 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 Wow. So Okay. Well, this was not inspiring. <laughs> I do not feel better having listened to it. No. But um, I Maybe did next learn time. something. You know? Maybe next week. You know? You know? I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. Hard to say. I do want salmon now. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, kind of. Maybe just a nice side salad. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so that is this week's episode. We will be talking more about Walmart next week. Danny will tell us all the things that are in his mind that he <laughs> desperately needs to get out. And yeah, if you enjoyed, please come back next week. Please tell a friend. Please subscribe, rate, review, follow us on the internet. Do all the things that we need you to do to be a happy and healthy podcast. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, and a big thanks to Carsey Bland for the theme music. You can follow the podcast everywhere at Yeet the Rich Pod. You can email us your suggestions for future episodes at yeettherichpod at gmail. You can follow me at the Funny Walsh, and you can follow Danny at dmoss315. See you next week. <laughs>